0: And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the,
1: the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes.
2: Hello, everybody, and now welcome to the Great Movies Podcast. <laughs> uh- A show where we watch and discuss the movies in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Coyar.
0: I'm Jana Gardner.
3: And I'm Nick Fulton.
2: I deeply apologize for the Chico Italian version of the (laughs) opening, but that is how we're going to do it. Today we are discussing the 1927 Laurel and Hardy film, Duck Soup.
0: (laughs) Is that a thing? Is there a thing?
2: There is a 1927 Laurel and Hardy film named Duck Soup.
0: I I feel very lucky that I did not accidentally watch the wrong movie. <laughs> Feels like that would have been a real. Laurel and Hardy for me. and the Marx
2: Brothers are a little too close for comfort. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it could happen. I I just yeah.
3: found out there is a uh, a Fritz Lang movie from the forties called The Woman in the Window. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay. As far as I can tell, no relation at all. Not like uh. different adaptations of the same source
0: no alas unfortunately
2: are you saying that Fritz lane doesn't have any relation to joe Wright?
3: uh not to my knowledge
0: (laughs) or whoever that weird guy is that wrote the woman in the window book who has like been disavowed because it turns out he's like a fraud there's a whole whole woman in the window novel backstory that you can google if you are so inclined yeah that guy's a piece of work
3: (laughs) is didn't tracy lutz write the screenplay though yeah. Or, yeah or like so. ghost wrote it or something like that Do, yeah
0: he did the adaptation yeah he did
3: yeah he did write it hmm.
0: maybe it's gonna be good it's a joe wright tracy Letts movie it could be good
3: yeah amy adams well gary oldman well. <laughs> but Bri- Wait, brian tyree did he, henry
0: did you say gary oldman
2: yeah. did you say brian tyree henry yeah.
3: <laughs> i did i'm saying all these wyatt russell
2: okay
0: well I, I like Wyatt Russell yeah um, I like Wyatt that, Russell that, that's a pr- plus for me I had no idea Gary Oldman was in that movie We
2: mentioned that during the Dracula podcast I already
0: forgot I think I, you
2: mentioned it during the Dracula uh,
0: podcast. probably I have probably in denial I mean re- reuniting with his darkest hour uh, collaborator over there so
2: yeah definitely the best Joe Wright movie out there
0: yeah uh-huh yeah number one <laughs>
3: I'd completely uh, forgotten that was a Joe Wright movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I try to. I try to.
2: It doesn't have his usual uh, style or substance <sighs> or class. It
0: has a good Dario Marinelli score. That's, it does. That's, the no, one, no, the score is that's literally the one Joe Wright like, trademark that it has. No,
3: you, Dan, speaking of scores, Danny Elfman does the score to Woman in the Window.
0: Interesting.
3: And I was I was sure it was going to say
2: Danny Elfman did the score to Duck Soup.
3: And it was <laughs> shot by Bruno Del Bonnell. I mean oh this has a good pedigree. What so if the it,
0: movie's good it's not gonna the, be good, but what if it were?
3: You know what? I'm it's gonna be good. I'm calling okay. it. I'm calling <laughs> it right that's
0: now. The new, I <laughs> mean, buying stock right now, and I guess if, you couldn't if,
2: buy lower stock than this.
0: The woman in the window. If Netflix will literally ever let us see it, then we'll find out. Oh we're never gonna see if, it. Like, it's right. It's just gonna just keep getting like no, and that's why, down the road. That's why I
3: can make that proclamation <laughs> is that we're never actually gonna know.
0: <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'm glad everybody joined us today to hear us talk about our favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, 3 <laughs> the minutes in.
2: I didn't even get to read the cast yet, so I think I'll <laughs> do that now. Okay, sorry. Um Duck Soup starring Groucho Marx, Harpo Marx, Chico Marx, Zeppo Marx. I think I I can't read this without adding the little quacks that come up with their names. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I liked I liked the little the little titles with their credits. It's awesome.
2: Also Margaret Dumont, who is a Basically, the fifth Marx brother, if there was mm-hmm. such a thing, mm-hmm. uh, or the Marx sister, Raquel Torres and Luis Callahan. It's also directed by Leo McCary, who is the GOAT. Um, and yeah, so I think I'll start off uh, not necessarily asking about... Wait, what, did you what Nick? S-
3: did you see who the uncredited producer is on this? No. It's Mank. Mank! Good
2: for Mank!
0: Mank! Exclamation point! Himself.
2: Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Herman Mankiewicz. Really
3: uh,
0: no more about that. I've read a lot about sort of what was happening behind the scenes with Paramount and them at this time, but I didn't get any Mank facts. Mank. Mank.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, so instead of usually asking like, "What's your history with the director or the writer or something?" Uh, I'm going to just straight up. Uh, what's your guys' history with the Marx Brothers? Is that seems to be the main creative focus behind this film?
0: I had never seen a Marx Brothers movie in full. I don't think I've seen tons of clips and parts of them and on, you know, Turner Classic Movies or just old cable channels growing up and like lots of the famous clips and bits. So very familiar with. The, Grouch- the Groucho, the <laughs> Marx Brothers and Groucho Marx's whole deal. Um, you know, kind of hard not to be growing up in America in the 20th century. Um, but yeah, this was my first time actually watching a Marx Brothers movie start to finish. So that was a new experience for me. But yeah, other- otherwise just generally familiar with their whole thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Nick?
3: I think I've seen all their like main ones before so i i've seen this one at least a couple times previous to this watch and then i know i've seen night at the opera animal crackers um what's the other one there's the the monkey sp- business horse yeah weathers. monkey business yeah i i don't think i've seen i see i can't remember which ones i've seen because it was all so long ago like is a teenager that i watched them and um like i'm sure we'll talk about the plots are so uh almost non-existent that i I don't have that to land on, so I just remember like the bits rather than yeah the plots of the movies but I think I've seen the the main ones and have definitely never done like a deep dive into their uh less marquee type stuff but mm-hmm. i I like them I'm not as enamored with them as I am like a lot of the other comedians of that era or like slightly before their era like I'm certainly more drawn to. Um, Chaplin and keaton than the marx brothers for whatever reason
2: what about among like the sound comics like laurel and hardy are the three stooges maybe of this era
3: yeah i've never really been as drawn to them either mm-hmm. and so it's like
2: group comedy uh sound uh
3: yeah yeah like i i respect it i guess i just it's not really my speed for the most part I, th- I like it's fine and this movie i think is decent has got some good laughs but there's some weird stuff in it too that keeps me at arm's length that we'll get to i'm sure
2: maybe about like how harpo decides to gawk at women
3: yeah but
0: eh, harpo. yeah harpo
2: yeah
0: yeah we we were definitely a uh a three stooges house growing up gotcha. in, in my house so like that's what um you know in his essay, Ebert talks about like his dad and his dad's love for the Marx Brothers. Like my dad was all about the Three Stooges. So that's, mm-hmm. and some Laurel and Hardy. Uh, but yeah, that was more what we were watching. Good
3: yeah, show. we, like my dad watched Three Stooges and I remember, see, like I, I think I saw all the Marx Brothers with him. I saw a little bit of Laurel and Hardy, but the sort of, you know, post sound era um, comedians that I have the most affinity for, I think is Abbott and Costello.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. That's another one. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say more. Yeah, we did a lot more Abbott and Costello too.
3: Because
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I was I I really think of like yeah Abbott and Costello, like yeah meeting the Mummies, or I think I I think growing up my favorite was like the Three Stooges meeting Hercules. Like there's some weird ones <laughs> out there. Yeah. I'm sure they don't hold up at all. But
3: yeah, what about you and the Marx Brothers, Dylan?
2: Uh kind of kind of similar to you Nick um saw them when I was a teenager which I feels like the right age to watch the Marx brothers movies um for their humor um and I haven't really watched them since not necessarily out of my dislike for them just never got drawn back into watching them but they have some a lot some of their movies slap pretty well mm-hmm. um and you know even though it's uh the plots are always thin it's I like where they they take, like, a setting or a situation. They put Groucho in the middle of it. It's almost like a basketball team. You have, you, know, you like, Groucho is, like, your point guard. And then you got the wings of Harpo and Chico working together. And then you got Zeppo standing back as, like, the center, just being, like, the, the steady man between it all. Um, and I just always like to see what they sort of get to do between uh that sort of... Relationship between all the four brothers because it seems like the relationship almost always stays that way. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I am with Duck Soup. Um. So yeah, let's uh, we don't really have an Oscar discussion to start off with. Um, No. So I'm gonna just get straight into the movie, which I took way more notes than I ever should have. I have about a thousand words of notes.
0: Because I was going to go way out of order and just flag briefly um, I, the part of the Ebert essay that I thought was really spot on, where he says to describe the plot would be an exercise in futility. Yeah. <laughs> Since the movie exists in moments, bit sequences, business, and dialogue, and not in comprehensible stories.
2: Um, so, so that's but, what I kind of... By all means. That's what I kind of did, is I laid out like 10 different like... Just like bits? Yeah, the bits. So the first bit we get is uh, Fredonia, yeah. the... Country that definitely has no relation to actual any actual country in the real world Um, needs a new president. And uh, Margaret Dumont, who's gonna, I guess her name is Gloria Teasdale in the movie, but it's Margaret Dumont, Um, she's gonna lend the country money to stay afloat. And in order to do that, she forces their hand to elect someone named Rufus T. Firefly is a great name
3: incredible name
2: yeah 80 great yeah. name um to be the uh the president and it seems like uh, mainly she asked this because she's a bit horny for him <laughs> janet how, just shrugs not, and nods
0: she, she's in she's in i mean i can't yeah. deny it she's into him
3: how could yeah. she not be with uh, <laughs> that, that mustache with and those eyebrows everything he's
0: bringing to the table Yeah,
2: and that so, uh, is that is groucho marks just in yeah. case anyone doesn't know
3: Apparently, they, uh, the original name for Rufus was not going to be Firefly. It was going to be Firestone, but they had to change it, uh, I assume, because of the, the rubber Firestone. I'm not positive as to why, but...
0: Because of the Tyre Empire?
3: Yeah, but... Which actually... Uh, not a funny story, but... Uh, and not coincidentally, I guess, but... Anywho, uh, I went to Firestone High School, which was named after Harvey Firestone. Really? Yeah. Not a great
0: school. Very oh. Did you say not a great school? <laughs>
3: yeah, not a great school.
0: My entire familiarity with Firestone outside of just the literal uh, rubber is that one of the, maybe the first, one of the very first bachelors on the television program, The Bachelor, was from, was like heir to the Firestone family. What? Person. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know, there, there's a fact for you.
2: Okay.
3: Anyways, Sorry. Firefly much funnier name than Firestone. Yeah,
2: I don't. Why it's would better. you name him Firestone? He's an idiot. Like Firestone <laughs> seems like a, a regal, strong, yeah, yeah strong yeah. man name. Um, I guess it could have worked as a sort of like a. This is the name, but this is the person. But uh, I, I, I like Rufus T. Firefly. It's, it's a great name. Yeah, I think it's a great name. So Zeppo is actually the first mark that appears on screen because after they decide we're going to elect a new president. For, or appoint there's no democratic process here um a new uh president of fredonia um there's a sort of like an international gathering that happens in this big ballroom where basically their entire budget for this uh movie i assume went except for one scene towards the end um and zeppo's the first one to come on screen greeting uh margaret dumont's character and i think it's uh louise callahan's ambassador trentino from uh, what's the other country's name I know it sylvania happened. sylvania that's right um definitely not uh stand in for another <laughs> imperial coal country at a certain point in history um and as groucho is supposed to arrive they sing a great song about fredonia some awesome national anthem and no one arrives
3: <laughs> I, I have to I, I think the song is terrible <laughs>
0: Yeah, the song is not There's good.
2: There's a lot more songs that I remembered it being in this movie. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I had forgotten that this movie has like multiple songs, and none of them are good. No. None of them are funny. None of them are particularly well performed. I don't know why they I'm going to fully disagree musical.
2: with you on one of the songs that is sung. I think it's pretty hilarious. Um, but it's towards the end. This one, I think, is purposefully yeah. bad. But I yeah. think that's the funny part. Like I don't, I don't know what your problem is, Nick.
3: I don't think it is purposely bad, and if it is, it's not bad enough.
2: Like, not
0: funny enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I like. There's, there's all kinds of obviously use of pre-existing music throughout the movie. Sometimes, like in really, really funny ways. Um, but yeah, the original songs did not click for me.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then finally, we see that Rufus T. Firefly's alarm clock goes off. He wakes up, already fully clothed, and jumps down a fire pole straight into the middle of the of the of the gathering hall. I and that fire pole goes away completely after that. Like you don't see that fire pole in any wide shot in this movie. Um and he goes down, and uh, he stands in the line of the the, uh, the army people with their swords out, and he holds his cigar out, um, and and that is our entrance to the second Marx brother that we get, Groucho Marx. Uh, so, what did you guys think of sort of Groucho's first scene that goes on here?
0: Um, it's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, so it's it's Groucho Marx, like it's it's very much his persona i agree the entrance was really funny um but i think like it it genuinely just kind of was a lot to the point where i'm like let and i know it's not his style but i was like let the jokes breathe for a second like let me sort of process the punchline, and then you're just still talking um yeah it it was a bit much for me um but you know, Groucho Marx—he's funny. He has good comic timing and and good delivery. It just sort of is like really intense that whole opening, his first scene.
3: Yeah, I me. I think like the visual introduction of him is funny and it works really mm-hmm. well. And like him, like instead of having a saber, he salutes <laughs> himself with a cigar, and he's like, "What right. are we even doing here?" Like he he is a clueless dipshit. Um, I think that works pretty well. But then, like you said he's talking with Mrs. Teasdale and he's just going like rat-a-tat, like one liner after one liner. He doesn't stop for a breath. Nobody like has any reaction to it. And it's it just, it's, it feels weird.
0: Yeah. And I, this is where I wondered, cause like I know that the Marx brothers were so revolutionary. And so mm-hmm. like, and Ebert talks about this a lot, like people weren't allowed to do this kind of thing. It was, it was truly like anarchic and, and wild and revolutionary what they were doing and they've influenced so much that we're we're used to sort of this absurdist humor now yeah so i can see how maybe at the time it was inherently crazy and funny that this was happening and whereas now it's just like you're just saying a lot of stuff all (laughs) all at once
2: oh no i'm gonna be a big detractor in this (laughs) between the three of us
3: do you know i I have a i have an analogy do you guys watch the show community Mm -hmm. i've seen some uh episodes okay there's an episode where like troy and abed and i think maybe shirley go to watch just like a bad action movie and their whole plan and i think chang is with them their whole puncher yes kick puncher and their whole plan is to (laughs) just like riff on it like mst3k and pierce who's the old guy played by chevy chase can't do it because he's not clever or funny so he ends up hiring a team of comedy writers to punch up bits for him for the next time they do it and the next time they do it he just rattles off joke after joke and it's so awkward because it's clearly planned and it doesn't work like any single joke may have worked fine but the fact that he's doing it so quickly mm-hmm. yeah. ruins it and that's how i feel about this
0: that is a very good analogy, because I can also just remember that scene very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone
3: just st- stares at him like, what are you doing?
0: Right. like, cal- Yeah. Like, calm down for one second. Just, yeah.
3: That's what, yeah. I want to tell Groucho to calm down. Like, just clear your yeah. guts, man.
0: Yeah. Poor Dylan. He looks so sad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not
2: necessarily sad. just, like, sad. baffled. Yeah, I just don't know where to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping we could all, like, bond over our favorite one-liners, like, when she says, like, oh, my, when my husband died, I held him in my arms and kissed him, and Gretchen says, oh, I see, it's murder.
0: I, I liked that back, because there's a few back and forth there. It's, again, that it happened so quickly, where they're exchanging back and forth about the husband dying and it being murder, and, like, the the gist of which is, of course, her husband wanted to die. Why would he want to be married to her? Mm. Um, and I, I did, I I laughed at that.
2: Yeah. I like as soon as he realizes that she's rich, he goes from like calling her ugly to being like, I love you.
0: Yeah. So another question, it's not really a question I had because I had some questions about the plot, which is a ridiculous statement because what 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 is the plot to have questions about? Like it's right. not supposed to make yeah. any sense. But I'm like, so who who <laughs> – who, Who is, he? is this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy and why is this happening? Was my question. And then I realized that that's not the point of the no, movie at he, all. And just, I just sort of moved and this is a movie. Right, exactly. He's just dropped literally into the action to uh, tell his jokes.
3: Yeah, he does actually drop into the action. You're yeah,
0: right. he's, he's just dropped into the middle of it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where like in a vacuum... Each of the lines is good. You just mm-hmm. need to. It, it wasn't paced well, and I don't know if that's just because it was 1933 or whatever. Right. They hadn't figured out how to yeah. do it yet.
0: And we were we were talking about this last night because, and I, I will say though, and there's parts of the movie later that I liked more. Like there there's definitely some highlights for me. Just this opening scene. Matt and I were watching it and kind of looking at each other like, why, why aren't we laughing? I feel like we should be laughing, hmm. but we're not laughing. Like you have that sense of sort of recognizing these are jokes. And some of them were clever jokes, but I just wasn't connecting with it. And one of the things we started like, okay, well, this obviously hasn't influenced a lot of comedies in the future. The first thing we thought of was like Airplane, Mm -hmm. uh, which Ebert also calls out at the beginning of his essay, which is one of my favorite movies, which is also like Joke a Minute. Uh, Although even that sometimes I could take a deep breath and calm down. (laughs) Um, And so but I think it maybe just is the timing and the like you said it's 1933 this was the very first time anyone had really done a comedy like this so the beats are just different than we're used to maybe
3: i do have to say the line will you marry me did he leave you any money answer the second question first
0: (laughs) yeah that was good
3: (laughs) Is is a great bit yeah yeah that was very good um
2: i don't know i think um I don't know how if if you guys get this too, but when I watch something that's funny by myself, I don't usually find myself laughing out loud. Um, sure. Especially something that I've seen before, because like there's not this sort of like communal like oh hey we're laughing sort of experience. Um, even though I find it amusing. Um, I uh,
0: laugh very loudly and very annoyingly <laughs> when I'm watching something that I think is funny.
2: Like e- even if you're even by yourself. Even-
0: even if I'm by myself, okay. I'm, a, I'm an easy laugh. But that is, I realize that that's not normal. But okay. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a laugher.
2: Well, I laughed basically the whole way through this movie while watching it alone. So that we'll was see. there you go. Yeah.
3: See, speaking of uh, like comedic takes on dysfunctional countries plunging themselves into war needlessly. That's how I was. I wasn't alone, but Nellie was, like, doing work and not paying attention to Strangelove. But the whole, like, last half hour of that movie, I was just, like, laughing my ass off at mm-hmm. every scene.
2: This is why I kind of brought up when we were watching Dr. Strangelove, like, mm-hmm. oh, a uh, uh, farcical satire of America where these idiots that are running the country plunge themselves into yeah. a needless war. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is interesting that these fall back to back with these, like, very heightened war, yeah, yeah satire farces, yeah.
2: In this one, it's it's almost sort of a Revolutionary War thing instead of a Cold War thing, even though it's set in present time, but
1: um,
2: with sort of Groucho being like the, uh, the, um, the George Washington of it all, almost, yeah. I would say. Um, but yeah, so then Groucho breaks out into song about all the rules he's going to enforce on the people while he is breaking all the rules. Um, which I'm assuming is another song that Nick would label as a bad song
3: I just don't think they're good tunes like I'm not I'm never gonna like put it put it on a mix. <laughs>
0: Now I'm trying to imagine a world in which you were putting any of these movies onto, like, or these songs onto a playlist and just, like, rocking out at your house.
2: Do we need to have a a, a Spotify social media page where we have just a playlist of, like, two songs from each movie like you do with your yearly movie (laughs) list? I'm not, like,
3: sitting, sitting in front of my clock, like, anxiously awaiting when the clock on the wall strikes 10 so I can bust into song. (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah
3: that's probably the worst song in the movie but i generally it is the worst yeah that's i think it's the worst song but it just sets like a bad tone i think yeah
2: i I genuinely remember could hum the tune and remembered a lot of the lyrics from the uh the groucher song i especially like the line where he's like you think this country's bad right now just wait till i get through with it (laughs) which uh i know this is supposed to be a satire of um like america's sort of grandiosity and stupidity and greed um as as uh we're talking about like so strange love was a satire this one would be the farce Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um man he just reminded me of donald trump like everything he did (laughs) (laughs) sure uh so that that watching it now made it made it feel weird um but anyway, after after Groucho has this whole song about how he's gonna fuck everything up, yeah, um, they have to call for the excellency's car. They basically like light the beacons of Gondor to get the uh, carriage to the. Uh, it's not a carriage. It's like a. It's a bike with a sidecar, mm-hmm. and it's driven by Harpo. And this is the introduction to the third. I
0: I did laugh at the eventual payoff of the bike sidecar. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bit that I is, laugh at
2: every <laughs> every time they do it, ti- I, I know it's coming, it's so <laughs> obvious it's coming. But the combination of Harpo's <sighs> just super excited face that he's about to drive off without Groucho and Groucho's face of like, eh, I could really care less <laughs> gets yeah. me every time. Um, so that's the end of sort of uh, what would it be like, skit one. Yeah, mm-hmm. this feels like an SNL where every skit is sort of slightly interwoven together.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's definitely just a series of excuse <clears> me <throat> bits and like yeah, little sketches of connecting tissue, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. Because I mean, in some ways, the plot's very complicated. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it has it has no plot, but then it also has this very complicated plot because then there's. The there's other country and there's spies, spies going on. yeah and so trying to remember who worked for who and why they were there and what the spies were trying to accomplish uh, it's actually kind of complicated plot
2: mm. um, so the second bit is uh, I said Chico and Groucho with the ambassador in my notes but it's actually Chico and Harpo that mm-hmm. made me mess up a little bit there um, they're going to the uh, ambassador for Sylvania's office When they open the door, they're in the the worst disguises I think I've ever seen. Um, Harpo's just wearing like this terrible mask, and Chico has a face tied to the back of his head. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna really throw (laughs) people off. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. There's so many gags in this part that I, I don't even really even. Nowhere to go with this basically all that happens is they say go spy on Groucho but the scene takes about 10 minutes mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh it's pretty damn funny probably there's... my favorite part is uh where they all pull out cigars and they, they can't find a lighter and then Harpo just pulls like a flamethrower out of his pocket <laughs> and starts lighting their uh, cigars but yeah there's a lot of, lot of good, good jokes if, if you guys have any ones that you like or, or didn't like
3: to, it is a, a baseball movie it is a baseball movie.
0: Yes, it is a baseball movie. That's true. A,
3: a bit about trying to t- trail him at the game, and then those doubleheader and other uh, and then they hit the cigar and <laughs> hit it like a bat, and yeah, they run around.
0: Yeah. Now the 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 blowtorch or like the flamethrower blowtorch that he pulled out to light the cigar was my favorite. Yeah, same <laughs> with... that 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 worked on
2: me. Same with that. I also like the part where uh, he pulls out, like, a note or a newspaper or something, and uh, Harpo, like, looks at it, and then he, like, slams it on the desk all angrily. And you're like, what's on the note? And then Chico just says, he gets me because he can't read. Ah, yeah.
0: That's good.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Or, like, uh, he got a nose like a bloodhound, but and his face don't look so good, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So... Is that the end of skit? <laughs> kind of. Yeah,
3: that's pretty much yeah, it. Pretty there's much not it. much that happens in this movie. This this podcast no. might just be yeah, forty minutes long. Right. So, plot plot wise, it's like the ambassador for Sylvania says, "Hey, you two, go spy on Groucho." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. Oh, I guess we could okay. say like what his scheme is.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Oh. So the his, ambassador.
3: Yeah, he's trying to seduce Ms. Teasdale so that right. she will. So that he can, like, have her money and therefore power. But since she's into Groucho, in theory, he's trying to get this other woman to be seduced by Groucho. Mm -hmm. Which, that doesn't ever come close to coming to fruition, does it? Like, they don't even try.
0: No, she's she's around, but there's never a sequence where they actually try to make that happen.
3: Yeah, and it's pre-code. Like, I feel like they could have sussed that out a little bit more, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the part of the plot where I was saying that if I think about it too much. So Mrs. Teasdale has a lot of money. Mm
1: -hmm. And because
0: she has a lot of money, she provides the budget for Fredonia, which allows her to personally choose who she wants to be the leader, right? And so she's into Groucho, so she wants to be Groucho. And then, yeah, so this ambassador was like, I'll just make her fall for me, and then I'll be in charge. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, Weird.
2: So uh, we get a, a quick interlude with them at the cabinet and uh, Groucho's very large feathered pen. But nothing really happens in that scene. Um, the next large uh, skit we get is the peanut stand, mm-hmm. where I don't even know if we could say anything of note about the plot happens in the scene. It, it's It's yeah. basically them doing a who's on first with the lemonade stand guy's hat.
0: With the hats, mm-hmm. yeah. This is just when they just are doing a, a extended bit where
2: they're hat swapping.
3: <laughs> yeah, it seems a lot like a, a Looney Tunes bit. Yeah.
2: yeah, there's not there's one part where they like the sound completely goes, mm-hmm. and there's not even like music, and there's not even like fully noises. They're just like grabbing each other's legs and taking off each other's hats, and there's.
3: There's nothing. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of, like the mirror scene too, which I'm sure we'll talk in length about. Yeah, the mirror scene's uh,
2: completely silent.
3: Just totally silent. Having something totally silent is weird.
2: Yes, that, yeah. that's very weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I should know this but I don't because I was thinking of Looney Tunes a lot also watching mm-hmm. it. This is pre-Looney Tunes or like what what is the what is the influence sort of back and forth with this and looney tunes timing wise
3: is and i know that bugs has like um consciously alluded to uh groucho a a few times and i think even the carrot is like a cigar yeah Yeah. um yeah but so bugs specifically it looks like debuted in 1938 i don't know when the looney tunes themselves um debuted but
0: but yeah so bug so bugs was like yeah five years after this that makes sense
3: yeah, so it looks like Looney Tunes itself started in 1930. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so I I think they overlap a bit, but this was also like not the first Marx Brothers movie.
2: Um, so the next scene we finally get a little bit more plot, which is uh, back at the the peanut slash popcorn stand. Uh, Chico is uh, you know, doing the regular like peanuts, and um. He's right outside Groucho's window, and Groucho orders some peanuts and then uh, asks him if he wants to be a public nuisance, to which he says, sure, how much does the job pay? Um, and basically this is the infiltration where Chico and Harpo become an inner circle member of uh, Groucho's life. Um, Harpo is taking calls for Groucho with, and speaking via squeaky horns in his pants pockets, um that was pretty funny you guys do that um chico gets through the vetting process to become the secretary of war by answering none of those questions which felt again <laughs> pretty trumpian to say the least um what one of the weirdest jokes in this whole movie comes at this moment where uh, harpo is showing groucho all of his tattoos
0: that was so strange <laughs> that scene was so weird and like look at this one look at this one and then i have your grandfather over here like what
2: and then he shows one of like a a dog house and Mm -hmm. uh groucho basically puts his face up next to like harpo's chestal area Mm -hmm. and meows and then a dog's head pops out of harpo's chest and barks at him and it's not not even like an animated one like his tattoos are it's a actual golden retriever german shepherd looking dog's head <laughs> um that's the weirdest joke
0: yeah that whole sequence was very strange
3: it's very strange very very odd that um, might be my favorite bit in the whole movie besides the mirror bit is the yeah. <laughs> just the dog, the dog barking cuz it makes no <laughs> like, just, it, yeah it doesn't make any sense even like from the 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 baseline of this movie where nothing makes sense like that especially just makes absolutely no sense
2: yeah for sure It's good that feels like something that would have been a Looney Tunes thing because animated mm-hmm. it would have made more sense right but yeah. in a live action Duck Soup movie it uh, yeah. anyway yeah. so after this uh, vetting process uh, Groucho finds out there is a tea party. To which he has been not been invited specifically because Raquel Torres's Vera Markel um, switched/slash thrown out his invitation. To, so um, the uh, ambassador to from uh, what's the name
3: of the country? Sylvania. Sylvania.
2: Sylvania um, can get some alone time with uh, Teasdale. Uh, at which point uh, he and Harpo jump into the bike. And Hartbo takes off without him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah fine. Anyway, so then at the tea party, when Groucho does arrive, um, uh, Groucho makes quite a fuss and is trying to win Teasdale back. Um, one of one of the my favorite lines of the movie is uh, where he's trying to woo uh, Margaret Dumont's character. And he says, "All I can offer you is a Rufus over your head."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that line. It's good wordplay.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in this Sorry. movie?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not much else, honestly.
2: Ba- basically, they, they they offend each other. the uh, mm-hmm. the The tensions of war are starting to come to fruition mm-hmm. because these two idiots are trying to get money from a, a woman who just kind of wants to bang both of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, I, made notes of the bits that I liked, but I have no idea what order they happened in. <laughs> right, so right. It's not <laughs> useful. I'm like, I like, they go back to the, they have a second bit with the vendor that I really like, but I think that's, Th- that's what happens end. right after the tea party. Oh, okay, perfect. So then they, I like the second bit with the vendor, um, even more than the original
2: What did you like more about the second one?
0: I don't know. I think for some reason I just liked like it escalated (laughs) more, and I liked that like sort of how more aggressive the the vendor guy. What is he selling on the street? I don't know. He's selling lemonade. Says lemonade. Yeah, Yeah. because
2: Harpo uh, jumps into his lemonade stand Mm -hmm. and starts taking a bath in his bucket of lemonade. Right, and does
0: like the bath. Yeah, yeah. I just remember I made a note that I thought that was funny, um, doing the like sort of yeah, jumping around in there.
3: Grape mm-hmm. stomping.
0: Yeah, grape stomping. <laughs>
2: Basically. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Nick, do you have anything to say about the tea party or the stand fight?
3: Um, is the tea party when we first get the upstart line yeah, where he calls him an upstart? So. Okay.
2: Yes. Oh yeah. Um, what, which too. comes back and probably. Mm. I'll, I'll I'll maneuver into the part after the second stand fight because this is probably the, where the majority of the plot actually happens because mm-hmm. there's a few things that are about to happen. One is Groucho is supposed to go mend relationships with uh, the ambassador mm-hmm. at Mrs. T. Sale's house. Uh, Harpo and Chico are supposed to break into the house and steal the war plans for Fried- from Fridonia. Um, and Groucho's gonna, like, try to officially get, uh, Teasdale to marry him on that day. And so, whatever little plot there was before the scene, they're all gonna kind of come together in this sort of three-act skit inside Teasdale's house. And the first one is sort of, um, them trying to apologize, but then the upstart thing happens again, and, uh, they just decide they want to kill each other. um i like the line in this part where um uh groucho is trying to reminisce about his family says his my father was headstrong my mother was armstrong the headstrongs murdered the armstrongs and that's how donkeys were born (laughs) what kind of line is that (laughs) that's that that is
3: not what he says (laughs) wait really so he says that's why darkies were born I thought he said donkeys. No, he said I also
0: thought use. he said donkeys, and was just like, I genuinely don't understand this joke. I don't understand what happened. So I had the exact same reaction you did too, Dylan. I was like, this is nonsense. What?
3: So apparently that's <laughs> got real. Uh, yeah. What
0: bummer over here.
3: Yeah. So that's hold on. Let me pull it up. Um, that's why darkies were born was a popular song written by Ray Henderson and Lou Brown. It's a 1931 song.
0: Ah, the thirties
3: so this says um this is from wikipedia the song was part of a fatalistic musical genre in the 1930s where african americans were depicted as quote fated to work the land fated to be where they are to never change that's why darkies were born has been described as presenting a satirical view of racism though historians have found no evidence that the song was ever performed in a satirical or joking manner the song was openly criticized as racist by African-American audiences in the early 1930s, and Mildred Bailey received many letters from the public urging her to stop performing it in 1931. So it feels like one of those things, at least just based on that summary, where um, it was racist and people are like, oh no, like it's fine, where... It's actually, like, we're commenting on racism.
0: People have been trying to pull off the ironic racism thing yeah. for, like, 100 years. Yeah, okay, great.
3: But it seems like it's not. <laughs> so back to baseball, though. This is also from the Wikipedia page. 2019 controversy. On April 18th, 2019, the New York Yankees announced that Kate Smith's rendition of God Bless America would no longer be played at Yankee Stadium, citing That's Why Darkies Were Born, along with another controversial song sung by Smith called "Pickaninny Heaven, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers followed suit the next day. Um, anyways, I remember that happening, but...
0: I remember that happening, too, but I, I did not realize that was the specific <laughs> reference there. <Yes>. Cool.
3: Anyways, <laughs> so so th- so that's what the line is.
0: Yeah, because that, yeah, that it really stands out as being strange, and like I said, I completely heard it the same way you did too Dylan okay. probably just because my like I guess thankfully was just so unfamiliar with that that ugh, yeah
3: yeah I also uh like didn't mean to I was just reading the thing and sort of dropped a racial slur there that uh, I should not have so I <laughs> apologize for that
0: that is wild that is wild um yeah I will we'll get to you later when there's Sort of a minstrel, like a, a minstrel style show musical number uh, towards the end of the movie, but yeah. we'll get there too.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, so as that is happening, uh, <laughs> Chico and Harpo arrive at the house. Um, Chico tells Harpo to ring the bell, by which at that point Harpo uh, takes a massive bell out of his pants and starts banging it. Um. That, I I don't I don't know that's pretty weird yeah um they sort of have a gag with the the doorman of like one of them goes in and then accidentally locks the other ones out and so on and so forth um when they get inside they meet uh, vera Markel, and she says you whatever you do you cannot make a sound at which point uh harpo brings out a supposed to bring out a flashlight, and he brings out his massive flamethrower, which is very, very loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he then sets off a grandfather clock, as well as a little duck trinket on the mm-hmm. table. And then his clock, which builds, like, a really good beat together.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he starts, like, dancing to it, and he dances his way over to a piano, which he starts Plucking the strings in the piano, not not playing the piano, but plucking the strings out of the piano, like a harp,
1: mm-hmm. like a
2: harp, like a harp, uh, and that's probably the best song in the movie. But uh, at which point, uh, Chico is like, "What the hell is all this sound?" And he turns around and he tries to get Harpo to stop doing that. At which point, uh, the piano closes on his hands, and luckily, Harpo can't. Talk, so when he screams it doesn't make any noise but uh, the the damage has already been done <laughs> uh, because yeah. as Chico says if we're caught we'll be court blasted
0: I will say there's nothing more and I, this is not a criticism at all but there's nothing more uh, uh, unsurprising than whatever you do don't make a sound and then just the series of loudest mm-hmm. noises you've ever heard happening
3: mm-hmm but, yeah, it was funny. Um, yeah, I've got to say, I, I love the doorbell bit. I think the doorbell bit is hilarious. It's really good, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think when they
2: move into this sort of more silent comedy bits, uh, more physical things, it works a little bit better than their one-liners in general, even though I still like the one-liners in this. Except yeah. for one that they make a racist joke about, because, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I thought they were talking about <laughs> donkeys. No. Um. Uh, at which point um shoot where does i have a groucho line written here which I, d- I don't remember who he's saying this to but he says i'll see to my lawyer about this as soon as he graduates from law school do you guys yeah. remember when
0: he he says it like it, it's somewhere in that sequence i made note of that too obviously um it's it's somewhere when
2: they're all running around in the house it sounded trumpian as well <laughs> um Anyway, throughout this whole mess of a thing, um, there becomes the famous scene in the movie where Chico and Harpo both dress up as Groucho and try to get the war plans. And in the escape, Chico and Groucho uh, start looking like they're supposed to be in a mirror together. And Chico has to act exactly like Groucho in order to not be caught, so it looks like it's still a mirror. So, right, and
0: there had been a mirror there, but like, yeah, when they Croucho were running around, it got it. shattered. Yeah, not
2: Croucho, well. Chico ran through it. Yeah,
0: as, as you do, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So the list of things that uh, Chico had to correctly guess in order to stay alive in this situation was he first had to shake his butt, <laughs> walk to the other side of the wall, uh, turn his glasses down, uh, then skip to the other side, then hump to the other side, <laughs> then shimmy to the other side, then correctly do the crazy dance. He half correctly does a spin, which I think is one of the funniest things in the whole movie, where Groucho does like a full spin and hi right, he just sort of stops. And Chico yeah. just goes, ha! Right yeah. as he does it.
0: That was my actual favorite part, too, because it's the yeah. one time where he doesn't actually mirror him, but he just sort of catches him at the right moment, so it looks like he did it. That was good.
2: And it's so funny because there's all this ridiculous stuff that he's correctly doing up to that point, and then that would be, like, the easiest thing to just, oh, spin around with him, and he just half asks that one. Yeah. And then he correctly does a wave to the heavens, and then they both bring out hats, but they incorrectly bring out a different kind of hat. Right. Then they walk on the other side of the mi- ha- mirror and they come back with slightly m- more similar hats. Um, at which point Chico drops the hat and Groucho forgets that he's trying to act like this is <laughs> supposed to be a mirror and picks up Chico's hat. And then finally uh, Harpo intervenes and, and uh sort of breaks and comes going. running
0: in well yeah. and there's also the sequence where they like flip where they go like around each, each, oh like, yeah that's break right. the they break the wall and they sort of circle through and switch sides um yeah that was that was good
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's i mean it's it's extremely it's a very famous scene for a reason it's very well done
2: yeah
3: yeah i think it's the best scene in the movie yeah. and i i love when they do finally like you said they kind of walk around each other like they're Mm -hmm. breaking the plane of the supposed (laughs) mirror Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like that Looney Tunes logic again where it since they're still doing the role of trying to mimic each other it doesn't matter like they don't realize or Groucho doesn't realize that like by definition it must be somebody right <laughs> mimicking him and not being a mirror he didn't just walk through the mirror but right. since it's never acknowledged and he's still like doing everything properly um, it doesn't count as having at caught, that point they're just him, so
2: basically. into it that it doesn't matter anymore yeah. right yeah. um okay so that that's basically the end of act two which it's interesting how well this all sets up into different acts. Um, so act three starts with Chico's trial. Um, Groucho is somehow deciding that he's going to act as Chico's defense on this trial, even though he's the one that had crimes against Chico. Against him. Yeah. Um, his, uh, main line of defense is a line that says Chico may look like an idiot and he might talk like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He is an idiot. Um, and again I, I I don't know why, but like that again felt very Trumpian.
0: I like. mean, it's just also like one of I, I think my problem problem's not is too strong of a word, um but it's it's like quite literally the oldest joke in the book like yeah, I, it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like it's such a I'm like, well, obviously that's what he's gonna say, like I've heard of that a riff on that joke eight million times, um and it is funny, but I'm yeah. It just feels super, super familiar, which is not their fault. This is like movies 90 years old. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, finally, during the end of the trial, uh, the ambassador decides to come in and try to make formal d- uh, diplomatic relations instead of going to war. Um, at which point Groucho has already tricked himself into believing that the ambassador has insulted him when he didn't already. He slaps the ambassador, and that's officially the call to war.
0: This means war.
2: Yes. I really love the Fredonia going to war song. So, uh, Nick, what do you feel about the Fredonia going to war song?
3: In my notes, I wrote, it's war. Break into, we're going to war song, comma, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> 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 <sighs> I
2: I think I like this part in the last act of the movie the most because um, all four brothers are sort of acting together and it's fun to see them all bring their own little thing to it, um, especially Zeppo. Seeing Zeppo get to become like a main part of the four in this yeah. final part is, is pretty enjoyable.
3: For the um, last time.
0: I can say, yeah, that's the last time they were all in the movie together. Poor Zeppo.
2: Yeah. Um, I really liked the part where um, they're drumming on the helmets of the different uh, army members that are sort of like marching around the um courtroom. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was that was another part I liked. Um, Harpo plays the violin so hard that it starts literally playing his ass crack. Yeah. Uh, um, and then they basically play out Paul Revere with Harpo as Paul Revere the groucher says uh if they are coming by land there'll be one lantern if they're coming by sea there'll be two lanterns um and then it cuts away to the place and one lantern uh goes up and then a second lantern goes up and then a third land goes up and he says we've been tricked they're coming by land and sea <laughs> and the enemy will be coming with a hey nan nanny and a cha-cha-cha <laughs> <laughs> this is a really weird movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like so I like this final sequence. Um it, it's a clever bit how as the scenes progress, right? It keeps changing the context of the war. So he's in the different uniforms and and outfits progressing. Like I I thought that was clever and funny.
2: Mhm. Um Yeah, and they're all dressed up like revolutionary war people. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um Harpo, while doing his Paul Revere ride, gets enchanted by a woman, um, and it turns out be- to be the house of the person with the lemonade stand. And then he gets enchanted into another house, uh, where he finally does get to sleep in a woman's room. But instead of sleeping with the woman, he sleeps with the horse.
0: <laughs> that that actually was funny when it shows the, the shoes. <laughs> the the the. Man, the man and the woman like the shoes and then the horseshoes and then the guys in the bed with the horse yeah Mm
3: -hmm.
0: funny
2: nick did you find it funny
3: (laughs) yeah i did no i i I said i like the shoes bit but my uh my internet my internet connection is unstable apparently (gasps) oh
0: Oh, no no. No. we've come so far um i i will say i did spend like a full couple minutes going how did they get that Horse to lay down in the bed. How did he Oh my they
2: god, that's a good I have, point. I
0: have questions about. That. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, this is before we got a confirmation at the end of the movie that no animals were harmed in the filming. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably fine, but I was just like, how got a
2: horse? To he do seemed that pretty comfortable like, somehow, like
0: laying in a bed. Yeah, yeah, The horse
2: is just kind of looking around, like, oh, yeah. Seems I'm fine. sleeping with Harpo. Yeah,
0: seems fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. So then this kind of leads into the final scene of the movie where. Um, are they in Miss Teasdale's house? Are they in one of the government buildings? And basically they're the last line of defense mm-hmm. and they're fighting the, Sylva- the Sylvanian troops. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jesus. I don't know why I can't get that or- name down.
3: It's just Pennsylvania without the...
0: Yeah, take the, the pen time. off. It's just fair, Sylvania. Fair
2: enough. Um, one of the great lines in this part is... Uh, Harper, Groucho asks the general to buy some ready-made trenches
0: oh yeah and they talk and mm-hmm. they do the bit about the trenches and how if they're this high they won't have to wear any pants if this high we don't need soldiers at all
2: yeah yeah i like that um there's a lot of weird things that happen in this part um they get worried about a gas attack and at which point uh groucher says don't worry take a teaspoon of bicarbonate and you'll feel better
0: that was a gas joke.
2: <laughs> Very mature humor in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a missile that's shot into their room, which goes about five miles an hour, which is mm-hmm. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts in this end scene is Harpo is walking around on the front lines with a call the arms banner that says okay. uh join the army and see the navy
0: yeah when they're like don't worry i have someone out there doing recruiting and then it cuts to that and i'm like what
2: okay that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so another, funny.
0: It's another joke where my my reaction was huh <laughs> like okay <laughs> like i'm not sure if that's like a, maybe a reference of the time that i didn't quite get but
3: yeah and i so i listened to the commentary and oh. um they said they were. They pointed a few references that they're like, "Oh yeah, like in the '30s, everyone would have gotten this." And the song the that that we talked about mm. um, is apparently like was apparently a very popular song at the time. So everyone at the time would have gotten it. And Now it's just like, do you say donkeys? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I yeah I kind of figure most things um, when I don't get the reference. I'm like, eh, I bet that was some sort of like. Yeah. Joke that everybody would have laughed at at the time.
2: Yeah, um, uh, one of the I think one of the more famous jokes is uh, Chico asks Groucho, "What are the things that go up and down and up and down and up and down?" And uh, Groucho says, "Tanks," and he says, "You're welcome."
0: Yeah, like that. That is a Bugs Bunny joke, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's, like exactly a Bugs. Another Bunny Bugs joke.
2: Bunny joke is like when Harpo, who suddenly arrives out without his recruiting gear, um, uh, and in a hat. Uh, is trying to shoot the enemy and someone shoots his oh, hat it's spinning. and it like does like a little, yeah, just like a little ninety degree spin and then mm-hmm. some machine guns start firing him and his hat spins around like a fan, yeah, that's um, funny. Because of course that would happen. Um, they uh they they do an eni meeny, mighty mo multiple times because every time Chico does eni meeny, mighty mo he picks himself. That
0: that was really funny. By the way, I really like... And it's not exactly eeny, meeny, miny, mo," right? It's it's like some writing convention. But I did enjoy that every time he forgets where you're supposed to start so you don't pick yourself. He keeps (laughs) picking himself every time. And then finally just goes,
2: oh, what's uh, there? And then they just like push Harpo and they think they're pushing him out as to be like the last man to go out and die for his country. But instead they push into a room with fireworks that just blows up and he somehow lives because he gets, like, blown out of the room. Um.
3: I love the line there, which I, th- I think is maybe my favorite line. It was it was like my letterboxd review quote, um, but I think the best line in the movie is, after they pick Harpo, Rufus says to him, you're a brave man, go and break through the lines, and remember, while you're out there risking your life and limb through shot and shell, we'll be in here thinking, what a sucker you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. that That's... Yeah, that might be my favorite
3: line And that's the yeah, like that. Like, lot. that's the most I think incisive the commentary mm-hmm. gets on like war and the state of war and how the government and the people in charge feel about <laughs> the people who are actually right. fighting their wars for them. Mm-hmm. And I, right. I kind of wish the movie would gone a little harder. I, and it's part of why I like um, *Strangelove* so much. In this one, you know, I, I like. I don't think it's a bad movie by any means, but I wish they would have been a little bit more. Like, I don't know, pointed Mm -hmm. when it comes to that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. Um, Another good line is uh, Margaret Dumont shows up and uh, the chandelier falls on her head, and um, Groucho grabs a a bucket of water and starts like uh, trying to like wake her up with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chigo says, Be careful, that's the only water we got. And he says, It's also the only woman we got. Yeah,
0: that was good.
3: What three three men in one Yeah, three men and, one, mo- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three men and yeah. one woman are trapped in a building. Yeah. Send help if you can't send help. Send two more women. <laughs>
0: more women. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, at which point, my favorite joke in the entire movie is they say like, "Help is on the way," and uh, a bunch of firefighters come streaming out, and then you see like motorcyclist policemen, and then a bunch of marathoners, and then a bunch of rowing boatsmen. And then a bunch of swimmers, and then a bunch of monkeys, and then a bunch of elephants, and then mm-hmm. a bunch of monkeys, and then a bunch of dolphins, and then a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> Just these weird shots of, like, animals stampeding towards the right side of the screen. <laughs>
3: and, yeah, uh, that's that's a really good bit. Yeah. That's
2: that's what wins the war for Fredonia. Yeah. Um, not much else happens after the end of that part. That kind of ends the movie, especially when... Uh, the ambassador comes through the the door and they, they bonk him on the head and right. like they they're doing like a little uh counting up how many soldiers that they knock out mm-hmm. and as soon as they uh they knock out the ambassador or they they trap the ambassador they say like that's game and they move all the little tickers over to one side. Um, at what point Groucho does get his head stuck in the vase that carried the water and Harpo just draws Groucho's face on it and then blows it up with a firecracker. <laughs> Um and then finally at the end of the movie, um after they've captured the ambassador, uh, they start pelting them with fruit and uh Marco Dumont starts singing the Hail Hail Fredonia song again. And uh they dislike it so much that the Marx brothers decide to start chucking her to with fruit. Turn and the
0: throw the fruit at her.
2: And that's the movie. Um so that's what that's I got. The movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. That's, okay, uh, I like
0: like that you ended it with a Lewin Davis. That's what I got.
2: Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <sighs> I, I don't really know what else to bring to this, because uh, this movie's pretty dumb.
0: Yeah, it does make me curious, I think, to see some other Marx Brothers movies. Um, I will say, just to get a sense of how representative this is, um, of all of their other stuff, feels pretty representative, but It does make me curious. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Do you think you would seek out more Marx Brothers movies?
0: I mean, not anytime soon, but theoretically, sure.
2: (laughs) Maybe if one was playing at like the Hollywood Bowl.
0: Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm like, it's kind of like I said. It's not bad. I'm not against it or anything. I just, uh, I respect it. And uh, like I said, I the. The influence of it is so strong that it's it's sort of undeniable how much this style of humor has influenced some of my favorite comedies ever um just i I wonder if I had seen it when I was eight or twelve or something if I would maybe think it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I think that's really possible if yeah. I had seen it a long time ago.
2: I think it definitely works as a child, yeah uh yeah, Nick. Do you have any closing thoughts before we move on?
3: No, I mean, I uh, I pretty much agree. It's one of those things too, where like I feel like so many of their one-liners, um, for whatever reason, have been popularized in written form. Like I feel like <laughs> I've seen these jokes written out a lot.
0: Yeah, it does and feel like that.
3: I guess it makes them more like iconic in that way, but it also kind of saps each punch right. that the joke is supposed to have. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way but yeah i feel the same way you do like i'm i'm not i i respect it more than i like it i I do like it enough i'm just not like totally enamored or like pulled over Mm -hmm. by them
0: yeah i was looking at the influence section of the wikipedia page to see like what things have cited duck soup as a major influence um and there's like some Woody Allen references. It does say that duck soup is frequently cited as a major influence in the comedic side of the Beatles, which I noticed while I was watching it. And the Beatles themselves admitted that it was an inspiration for their film Help, which neither of you have seen Help, right? No, nope. I can't really recommend it to people. It is pretty racist. Um, we're on a real roll today with that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's I've, I've seen it 800 times. It's one of my favorite comedic movies ever made. It is very dated in its portrayal of people from India. But um, it has, like, John Lennon like does Groucho Marx impressions throughout half that movie, basically. Gotcha. Um So it's, you know... That yeah, has has some similar context. But yeah, there's just like, like I was saying, it's impossible or it talks like the Animaniacs. Like a lot of what yeah, I yeah. know about the Marx brothers I got because of Animaniacs jokes when mm-hmm. I was a kid. So it's just everywhere.
2: It reminds me a lot of Monty Python, even though I don't think Monty Python I, was directly. I uh, thought about Monty Python too. Yeah. But just sort of like we're gonna have all these random skits of things with a loosely mm-hmm. tied together plot. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean that's the Holy Grail, right? Like I mean it's, it's all their movies, but it's yeah. like tech. It's sort of a satire of, life. of a or meaning of life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally satire, no plot in that one. Yeah, satire. This, life this of Brian, even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: this and Holy Grail too. Both just like like the the end is a, very much just like sort of a shrug, right? Like they, yeah, they don't the, care about wrapping the story up because they. Cl- don't care about, the, about story the story really yeah. that much. Seems, I like, like the gag
2: point. they do at the end of Holy Grail though where the policemen finally just yeah, come and yeah. arrest them. Yeah. Like there's some LARPers that are uh, God. accidentally killed someone.
3: Re- God.
0: I haven't watched Holy Grail in so long I should watch that again. I love that movie.
3: It's a great movie. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, is Duck Soup a great movie? Let's vote. <laughs> so thumbs up. Thumbs down.
0: It's a, it's a soft thumbs up from me um okay. it's not a, not a, I wouldn't give it a thumbs down like'm not gonna watch it again but you know it's a <laughs> it's an important movie
3: yeah I, I still feel like I would go thumbs up
2: okay so Janna what would you rate it out of four
0: um two and a half out of four gotcha. i think is is where I landed yeah so not you know it's like I said I, I feel like for me three is where I like enjoyment, and then two and a half. I'm like respect.
3: I'm going the same. Yeah, two and a half for me too. It's close. Um, it's like a two point seven five. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I'm a borderline four, but uh, I'm gonna yeah. go three and a
0: half. Aw, we talked you down.
3: No,
2: don't. Don't <laughs> let I, us. I,
0: I almost gave it three, but then I remembered that I gave <laughs> Doctor Strange Love three, and I like Doctor Strange Love a lot more than this. So I like I had Duck to.
2: Soup a little bit more than Doctor Strange love. Huh? Oh, fair enough. Mm.
3: It's a, like I I feel like the first 3 seasons of the show it was sort of clear like what the best movies were. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And this
3: one I feel like it, it's pretty um there's a pretty wide discrepancy between what we all are uh, like super going for. Because I think of the nine, I would say that yeah. "Strange Love" is by far my favorite
0: of the of this current season that we're in the middle of.
3: Yeah, I think so. I'd have to look at the list again. I mean,
0: but... it's gonna be Fargo for me, and maybe for Dylan too. But
3: oh, is Fargo this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe. Well, I don't know. We're getting we're say. getting
0: all the way up to G's, or at least the first G coming up. So, Dylan, are you frozen or just very still? Uh. That's the thing about Zoom, It's like if you were like looking you were looking down at the buck, and so I was like, I can't tell if he's frozen or just completely still.
2: Yeah. Um Okay, yeah, I, I forgot
3: we were doing Fargo. That that one and Strange Love are gonna have to duke it out for me. I we think. also
0: we have uh well we'll talk about what we have coming up next week. This is yeah. this would be a real multi week journey that I've been on with these movies.
2: <laughs> uh true. Uh, uh we still need to do e word though, so yeah, I think Janna kinda already did.
0: I did. Yeah, basically the the one that I wanted to call out so you guys can go. Oh, that
2: I'll was litera-
3: that was literally the one I had. So
0: ah, Some week we'll try to not have the exact same, yeah. Part, but
2: yeah, and that was the main one I think I had. Uh. The fi- the final paragraph? Sure. What wait, was it the final paragraph? Oh, no,
0: no, 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 the one we were talking about was the to describe, to describe, the, plot describe the, plot the plot would be, would an, be exercise, an exercise in futility. Oh,
2: okay. So yeah. then, uh, dated as Duck Soup inevitably is in some respects, it has its moments that seem startlingly modern. Then he lists out a bunch of different parts that we already talked about, so I won't uh, engage with that again. The brothers broke the classical structure of movie comedy and glued it back together haphazardly, and nothing was ever the same. Yeah, um, he does add a little addendum where he says why the title. The critic Tim Durkins and Tim Dirks explains. It is claimed that Groucho provided the rest the following recipe: take two turkeys, one goose, four cabbages, but no duck. Mix them together. After one taste, you'll duck soup the rest of your life.
0: Get it? Like ducking something? Get it. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. I, got it.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> I will say that opening sequence like kind of stressed me out because it's du- so yeah. We didn't even mention it. like that like ducks swimming around. It's like ducks swimming in like a little kettle of soup. I was like, oh ducks.
2: Yeah. All right. So now we should move on to what we have watched this week. Um, what did we watch this week? I didn't really watch anything. Uh, I rewatched "Do the Right Thing." I rewatched "Truck Turner," and uh, "Truck Turner." Truck.
0: Truck Turner. I still don't know what that is.
2: I told you to watch this movie, Jana. It's an (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, it's been a long week i don't know
2: <laughs> it's an la based movie um oh. it's a black exploitation movie
0: oh okay
2: um it's it's set in la though and there's many la landmarks that pop up and uh i watched it with a group of people and um over like a
0: wait starring isaac hayes and yafit kodo that sounds awesome
2: yeah and nichelle nichols who plays uhura oh, in star gosh, trek yeah the original series
0: Dang, that's all star cast
2: it's a freaking awesome Scatman cast. Scatman Crothers, is Scatman Crothers comes in for a scene. Oh um, who's the other person that... Uh, there's one white dude that is semi-popular. <laughs> there's that a, there's pops always
0: in. one white dude who's going to pop up in one of these movies. Yeah, Dick
2: Miller pops up in one part who's famous oh. from Terminator and Gremlins and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's got an there awesome are. cast. yeah um, and uh, I, I was watching with like uh, people over. We did like a Amazon watch party.
3: Event. Nice.
2: Um, and people were like, "Oh, there's the L.A. County Clerk's building. There's the this part." And they were just going all over about. Oh, all these, there, like, there weird... were
0: people who were recognizing L.A. Uh, yeah, and landmarks. I was, cool.
2: And uh, I, I, I remember the first time I watched it back in December. It was for my December watchathon that I did, kind of mm-hmm. by myself. Um, I was like, "Oh, Janice should watch this." Yeah, um, love an L.A. movie. Good... Yeah. Um, and love the cast. Seriously. Such a good yeah, cast. That's and, awesome. And Isaac Hayes does all the music because of course, and of course did. Yeah. music's great. Uh, and then the last thing I watched was this documentary called SOM about Sommoyes.
0: Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that floating around for a long time. How was it?
2: Um, the best way I could put this, and this isn't necessarily like a, a a negative, but it's not necessarily a compliment. It's like the best uh, Smithsonian Channel original documentary that oh, you could ever see.
0: That that sounds very like I I know exactly what you mean like.
2: It's it's not bad. It's just like I wouldn't I wouldn't like rate it's it very highly. It it, it's just but, like uh, on
0: a Saturday afternoon if I was just sitting on the couch yeah, it's, it's, and maybe I wanted to learn about solid. fancy wine. I would okay all
2: right yeah. sure yeah cool. Um, there's also two sequels to it. So, oh, if you right. wanted to watch the sequels to Psalm, uh, that's a that's a thing Psalm you could do. Psalm
0: into the bottle. Wow.
2: Psalm yeah. into the bottle, and then Psalm three. Which I guess
0: <laughs> this makes it sound like a horror series. By the time you get to Psalm they, three,
3: they sh- <laughs> should have <laughs> called one of them Psalm like it hot. Ah. Oh my God, Nick. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. Uh, you, you even have to shake your head at that shock. Psalm. Psalm
0: like it hot.
3: How does he do it?
2: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was for a movie group, but um, my parents have already watched Psalm 2, mm. which I guess is, like, the history of winemaking, and Psalm 1 is, like, sort of the story of these three people that are uh, advanced sommeliers that are going for their final master sommelier mm. uh, test and sort of their journey. Um, and it, I, I will say it's pretty intense to see, like, all the... Like literal thousands of flashcards that are all around their office and maps of wine regions on their walls and uh, yeah. them having yeah. to taste wine. I feel intense, like
0: intense like, like that's an intense thing to commit yourself to. Yeah. Like yeah.
2: I feel like it'd be like somewhat equivalent of taking the bar exam. Which yeah. I don't know if anyone has first hand yeah. experience with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are in fact surrounded by um flashcards and diagrams and things like that. So that yeah. tracks
3: and lots of yeah. wine
0: and, lo- yeah. and lots of wine also so that's all <laughs> consistent that is Nick, all
2: straight on. what was your major exam that you had to take for
3: like medical school is there a main one yeah so in med school you have to take uh what's called the usmle which is actually three different tests no it's four different tests um yeah so you- actually
2: the the psalm test is three tests so Sort yeah, of you, tracks.
3: You take one after your second year, two, um, either your third or your fourth year, and then one a year after you graduate. Wow.
0: Ugh. Yeah. It's Were 20. they fun?
3: Yeah, oh, they're a blast. <laughs> they're a great fun. time.
0: Everyone loves them. Yeah, I'm sure.
3: I, I wish I could do them again. They won't let me. I keep asking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about the bar exam. Like you, you can, you could just you could take fifty of them if you really wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, maybe not fifty. Some states share, um, but you, you could take dozens of bar exams if that's something that you were insane enough to want to do.
2: Are you insane enough to do it? No,
0: job? no. I will never leave the state of California because For that reason. I will never <laughs> do that again.
2: Fair enough. Out of curiosity, can you guys guess what the three tests a sommelier has to take? What are the is three it, types of tests?
0: I mean, is it like taste, smell, smell or color? something? Yeah. <laughs>
2: One is a taste test, which okay. you have to taste three whites and three reds blind. Mm-hmm. And then a service test, which is how to handle customers and how to properly serve the wine.
0: Sure.
2: And then it's a theory test about, like, sort of the history of wine and how to make okay. wine. Interesting. So, if anyone wants to become a, a master sommelier, that's a thing to this. do. Interesting. And have thousands of flashcards. Yeah. So, one of the things they talked about when they finished their test was what if they passed their test was they burned their flashcards in a bonfire. Did you do that with your guys's flashcards after you finished your test because I feel like that'd be a pretty um, cathartic thing to do.
0: I didn't personally. a bunch of my friends did it was more common at the end of one l at the end of your first year of law school. everybody just burned everything <laughs> um, like and I was living in grad student dorms and there was like a big like balcony patio thingy with like a fireplace uh, not a fireplace a barbecue and people fully just like turned on the barbecue or like burning stacks of paper and flashcards and things like that not so much after the bar exam i think everyone was too exhausted but um you know there there was definitely some ceremonial burning and shredding and throwing away of you know very wasteful uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) papers yeah
3: yeah no nothing like that for us
2: yeah Mm mm-hmm Anyway, um, so what did you guys watch? <laughs> I got um, way too distracted on that no. song documentary.
0: So for for Valentine's Day last week, did a, uh, a mini double feature. Um, rewatched Punch Drunk Love, which is yeah. a pretty perfect movie.
2: That's a that's a great romantic oh, movie.
0: Oh, and that's like a great Valentine's Day movie. It's so good. Um, I
2: love What's the movie. line in that movie? I am in love, and that makes me more powerful than anything or something like that I I like a... it, it, it was my
0: letterbox review so i can tell you it was i have a love in my life it makes me stronger than anything you can imagine i would say that's that mattress man which is <laughs> <Just> how he <laughs> yeah, ends the line that I love so much yeah um, but yeah it's yeah i have a love in my life it makes me stronger than anything you can imagine oh that movie is so wonderful perfect
2: um, valentine's movie
0: and then we followed it up with another perfect valentine's movie true romance yeah. um uh, which is all about True Romance, um, which I'd never seen before, it was like a sort of a weird uh, blind spot for me because it's you know a Tarantino script.
3: Gary Oldman, um, Gary Oldman
0: doing absolutely the, the most. most. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, I I really liked it. I I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, good good movie. Recommend. And then last night watched the 2020 version of the invisible man starring elizabeth moss um it is very scary but it was good i really liked it she's phenomenal she's like a great horror movie actress because she can yeah. look so scared and mm-hmm. the conceit of that movie is she also has to like everyone has to think she's crazy like she you know she's imagining it all um so yeah i really dug it that was that was what i watched
2: this week nick what'd you watch
3: uh we watched a matter of life and death which uh, i've I've seen a few times before very good movie one of the best movies um there was a valentine's day so what did nelly
2: think because she hadn't seen it
3: she she really liked it she's a big uh fan of the archers i think this is the fourth one she's seen okay Um, what are the other three then uh black narcissus colonel blimp and red shoes oh yeah yeah Um, she's liked all of them good um, I watched a movie called The Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, which is a Shaw Brothers martial arts movie from the '80s, which is awesome. It has one of the coolest the like final fight scene is one of the coolest fight scenes I've ever seen. It's gnarly, like some, just some <laughs> shit I have never seen before happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, that's it's got a uh, Gordon Liu who um, oh yeah played uh the. Sure. the whatever sensei and um, Mei. yeah Pai may thank you and uh kill bill
2: yeah also 36th chamber of shaolin dude yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
3: He's yeah, he's been in a million things but but yeah uh, true. yeah i think the kill bill movies is like his. uh
0: where most people have seen them yeah
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Evie and I watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. She was very. What did she think? She was was she absolutely yeah.
2: horrified when a chicken's head got cut off in the middle of a? This, no, the...
3: she was unfazed by that. She was unfazed by the bugs. She uh, how liked, was she likes that scene because she likes rainbows and there's lots of colors in it.
0: Okay, I was gonna say, so she was okay with the 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 boat scene. The yep.
3: Okay. What a legend!
0: I'm yep. I'm not okay with that.
3: Scene. No.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, no one is. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, it does have a yeah. lot of colors. She was very confused as to why the girl turned into a blueberry and I'm like I don't know how to explain this to you. That yeah. scene really
2: terrified me as a kid. I don't know she, why, but that
3: See, most people were I feel like we're scared of the boat scene as a kid. Like, I mean, like justifiably, it's terrifying. And that's what I think is probably the most scary thing now, but my thing was um I I, I it made me afraid of drowning and it specifically in a chocolate river.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of really really no
3: yeah In but no movie. she was yeah she was a champ she really liked it we've actually watched it a couple times um over the last few days and then i watched the human condition part one <gasps> which yes! is um super long it took me a couple days because it's uh three and a half hours long and there are two more parts yeah that's only that are also the uh, first part three of a hours long.
2: three movie oh jeez
3: yeah, yeah like, it's supposed this to be viewed is the as, first like, part one of three. Yeah, it's the first part of three, and even this one has an intermission in it, so <laughs> that tells you how long they are, but it's incredible. It's it's really freaking good. And I, I thought, like, so it's, it's known for being one of the longest feature-length movies because um, it's nine hours or something like that. And a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of the movies that are sort of up there in length... Are slow cinema, um, like experimental type things. This one is not at all. It's, it's very like, it's just novelistic. Um, it it was based on a series of novels. So it, it hums along really well. It's got a great lead performance from, uh, the actor whose name escapes me. Tatsuya Nakadai. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's incredible. Um, Okay.
2: Okay. I'm going to try to not go into it too much, but, uh, he also plays in another Masaki Kobayashi film, yeah. Called Harakiri. Yeah, he's I been know. in like <laughs> <a lot of laughs> oh no, my a Harakiri, favorite movie yeah. of all time, and he plays arguably my favorite movie character ever outside of Paddington, in that movie, and he's so good. And so I, I really want to know what you thought about him in Human Condition.
3: Oh, he's so I've seen him in other stuff. I mean, he's um, he's in he's so, in Ron. Yeah, so he's oh and, but you haven't seen Rotten. i haven't seen her but he's in seven samurai he's in um Yojimbo, he's in high and low yeah. high and low is the the
2: detective is the main yeah. other thing but um so he's you know been in seven in, samurai he's only got one shot in that entire movie
3: yeah yeah he only uh, walks
2: across the screen when they're looking for a samurai
3: but in high and low and Yojimbo, i think he's second build in both to, to yeah Fune. he's the guy um, with the gut in Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I I was already familiar with him, but he's he's really really good in this. Mhm. So, I I already started the second one. I'm like an hour into the second one, but I will probably finish those this week because they are
2: very very good. I cannot wait to hear more about this because I'm so excited. My parents have been talking about going on vacation for a couple of months now, like taking a weekend trip, mm-hmm. and um at whenever they do it, I'm going to watch The Human Condition <laughs> straight through. So I am just waiting for that moment. So I'm excited to hear you doing that. Um, do w- you think... Oh, go on, Jan.
0: Oh, no, I was going to make a dumb joke about how... And I can't since it's a pandemic. So I can't be like, oh, you could throw a raging party. But instead, you're going to sit yeah. down and watch like <laughs> nine hours of Japanese cinema. Um, but you shouldn't throw a raging party anyway. So no. responsible choice.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that as soon as you finish The Human Condition you might move on to another Masaki Kobayashi?
3: Yeah, we I told you so we tatsu, almost gonna... We almost watched that um mm-hmm. when we watched Wages of Fear like a couple months ago, I basically just said, "Hey, Nelly, pick one of these." And she picked Wages of Fear cuz she <sighs> loves cuz she loves sorcerer. Yeah, yeah,
2: I I get it. And like, Wages of Fear is also just spectacular. Yeah, yeah, that
3: movie movie also rules. So I'm
2: holding my breath to see, to wait until you see Harakiri.
3: Yeah, we'll get to it. uh, Probably within the next, I don't know, probably before summertime. I would imagine. Yes.
2: So, yeah, Yeah. I I do like that the whole time. Nick Nick was describing this three-part movie with three and a half hour-long individual films for a ten-hour-long total runtime. And Janet's just like, oh my god, I can't imagine. Even though she re-watches Lord of the Rings every single I year, I do, I do. But
0: the Lord, but Lord of the Rings, I like. I don't have to like follow along. I yeah, I know, I know. I, know. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just wanted to. <laughs> but yes, it is true. It is very true.
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I want to know which part is your favorite at the end of the the three, though, Nick. Sure. All right. So that's all for us this yeah, week. We made it. We did make it. What a what a long and arduous <laughs> podcast. Usually we haven't even. There's probably sometimes we haven't even gotten past the halfway point of the yeah, movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. But uh, this was a, this was a quick one. All right, so, um, you can find us on Twitter and Letterboxed at Great Movies Pod, and thank you to Scott Brady for our cover art. Um, you can find him at S Brady Artist. And uh, next week is uh, Jana's uh, childhood
3: favorite. Oh, E-T. you're hosting it too? I'm aren't hosting.
0: You? Yeah. Oh, wow. N- yeah, get excited. You know, it, it'll be fine. Um, it's E.T. next week.
3: Extra it's, it's E.T. the extra the
0: extraterrestrial.
3: It's a great movie.
2: Which it um, is. this is the only essay that I really remember well from the first time yeah. I read the book. Yeah, it looks um, cute. It uh, it 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 gets me as emotional as the as the movie gets me, and Aww. it's uh, it's perfect. Um, and I think you could tell from the opening uh, yeah, line where it's going, but it's it's just perfect.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure we will talk about it even much more than we normally talk about the essay.
2: Yeah, um, I think so too.
0: <laughs> next week, I would imagine, gives a little bit more to chew on there.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm very very. Very hyped for ET. I,
0: I do want to go on the record and tell people I, I don't dislike. E.T. I know we're just <laughs> it's Nick and I are too <laughs> just stressful. <laughs> like I don't like like stressful, sad kids stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was a very sensitive child, but um, no, I'm I'm excited to watch it again. It'll be fun. It'll
2: be are you years. still a sensitive adult?
0: I'm a pretty sensitive adult. It's it's true. <laughs> Um, but okay. I, did, I, I rewatched DT uh, a few years ago, and and it was not as as upsetting as I had remembered. So yeah. I'm excited. to I mean that that it.
2: happens with childhood movies. That right. You...
0: I remembered it being like a horror movie, basically, and it was not mm. that that yeah. bad. Anyway, we'll get there. So
2: that'll be us for this week. Uh, enjoy your movies, Roger out. Roger out.
1: And when I go to the movies. I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good
0: films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.